Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, this is pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to the New York Lucis Trust Full Moon Meditation Meeting. Each month we work together as a group to contact, hold, and distribute spiritual energy in the service of humanity and all life forms. To receive announcements for our meetings, please email us at newyork at lucistrust.org, L-U-C-I-S-T-R-U-S-T dot org. Welcome, friends, to the Festival of Aquarius. Welcome to everyone joining us on the internet tonight. The actual time of the full moon is um, tomorrow morning at 32 minutes after midnight and 49 seconds for those of you who enjoy countdowns. Some of the full moon talks that we give are quite abstract and the reason for that is we are approaching the hierarchy in our meditation later on and the idea is to build the antakarana across the abstract mental plane and for that reason we have to work in abstract thought. So that's my excuse and here we go. The water of life refers to the spiritual potencies in the keynote water of life am I poured forth for thirsty men. It refers to the spiritual potencies that are circulating throughout the planetary ethers at any given time, and which the server radiates to all through the medium of his own etheric body, his own body of ether, which surrounds and interpenetrates the physical body. But the phrase is not merely symbolic, for the ethers contain the same elements as water, hydrogen and oxygen, but in their more rarefied states, naturally. In fact, all of the elements have their highest spiritual vestures, just as man does. And like man, they express different but related aspects of themselves on each level. And that's because the elements are alive. Every object we see around us is pulsating with the life of the Deva kingdom. A parallel evolution to the human. And the elemental lives that make up any form belong to this kingdom. And they're directed by the building Devas on higher levels. Together they give rise to the wonderful and varied landscape of the earth. But not just that, all the man-made objects too that are rapidly changing the shape of that landscape through science, technology and industry. Future cooperation between the human and the Deva kingdoms is going to accelerate this process, marking a new transformative period of planetary evolution. But before we explore this, let's pause for reflection and then we'll say together the mantra of the disciple.
I am a point of light within a greater light. I am a strand of loving energy within the stream of love divine. I am a point of sacrificial fire focused within the fiery will of God and thus I stand. I am a way by which men may achieve. I am a source of strength enabling them to stand. I am a beam of light shining upon their way and thus I stand. And standing thus revolve and tread this way the ways of men and know the ways of God and thus I stand. The Deva Kingdom is electrical in nature. The greater building Devas are the positive electrical aspect, while the lesser building Devas are the negative aspect. They are flaming fire, radiant electric matter. They are the builders of form and form itself. And presiding over the life of the physical world as a whole, is the great Deva Lord Kashiti. He reigns over everything outside the human kingdom upon the physical plane, including the four etheric levels, which under his auspices are managed by four subordinate Deva Lords. And according to the Alice Bailey teachings, the Deva ruler of the fourth, or the lowest ether, delegated a member of his council to meet with certain of the masters around the time the books were written to decide whether the approximation of the two lines of evolution, human and deva, might be tentatively permitted. The Aquarian age that we're entering is an appropriate time for such collaboration. For the devas of the lower etheric levels, to come closer to the human kingdom as Aquarius energizes the human etheric body. And it does this through its eventual connection with the physical permanent atom on the higher etheric level. And it's this individual etheric web, which is the medium of relationship to the whole. The universal consciousness of Aquarius becomes expressive just in so far as the individual etheric body is in conscious relation with the etheric body of humanity, the solar system, and of course the planet. So to express the Aquarian ideal, the etheric body must become a receiver and distributor of energy, primarily from buddhic levels because that's the lowest of the cosmic etheric levels. The buddhic plane has a direct relationship with the etheric body of the human being. And it's through this relationship that the goal for humanity in this planetary round will be achieved. The complete mastery and control of the lowest etheric level of the physical plane. Every unit of the human family has to attain this mastery before the end of this round. You'll be okay. In line with this goal, the human eye is currently evolving to extend its range of vision to see in the violet light of the lower etheric levels 
or what science terms the ultraviolet wavelength of the spectrum. It's recently been discovered that the majority of animals can already see in some of the frequencies of this bandwidth. The electric power lines that stretch across many landscapes randomly give off glowing and flashing bands of ultraviolet light across the sky as electricity ionises the air around the cables. And for many animals, this is obviously a startling phenomenon. And it is having a worldwide impact on wildlife. Dr Nicholas Tyler, an ecologist of the Arctic University of Norway and another member of the research team, said that the loss and fragmentation of habitat by infrastructure is the principal global threat to biodiversity. It's absolutely major. Roads have always got particular attention, but this will push over as power lines move right up the list of offenders. The avoidance of power lines can interfere with migration routes, breeding grounds and grazing for both animals and birds. As sections of humanity start to develop etheric vision, a whole new realm of phenomena will open up for investigation. The four levels of this realm are characterised by varying shades of violet. And while humanity will only be capable of seeing the lower levels, all of them have to be recognised and manipulated in the practice of white magic. This also implies a working sensitivity to the buddhic realm, the lowest cosmic etheric level. That also is known as the plane of violet. And the spiritual hierarchy shifted its location from the higher mental, higher mental levels to the buddhic plane around 1925 in order to make direct reception of the cosmic ethers possible. And it's here on the buddhic plane that they manipulate and assemble energies from Shambhala prior to them being let loose upon the world of outer forms. Even in the middle of the 20th century, the influence of the buddhic plane and the electrical force that is its particular and peculiar characteristic were beginning to be felt. According to the Tibetan, its energy was also beginning to have a definite effect on the egoic bodies of men. The fourth ether of the physical systemic plane was likewise assuming its rightful place in the minds of men, and the electrical force of that subplane is already being adapted and utilised by man in the assistance of the mechanical arts for methods of transportation for widespread illumination and in healing. These four adaptations of electricity are but the working out on the physical plane of paralleling utilisation of buddhic electrical force. Now, since those comments were made, many electrical developments have taken place which is an indication that much progress is being made in line with the plan for humanity, despite the many bad things that are currently happening in the world. Another major advancement is also imminent in the field of developmental biology. This is the study of the process by which animals and plants grow and develop, as well as regenerate and metamorphose. And this concerns one of the greatest enigmas in science, morphogenesis, the creation of shape in organisms. What is it that decides the shape of all the millions of different organisms on Earth? As developmental biologist Michael Levin says, if you were to show someone the completed genome of a creature, and you didn't allow them to compare it with the genome of something they were familiar with, they would have absolutely no idea what that creature would look like. DNA is less like a blueprint 
and more like a list of materials, only without a set of instructions for how to use them. Michael Levin's research team at Tufts University, Massachusetts, have recently been given a grant from Microsoft co-founder Paul G. Allen to fund further research at this frontier of the life sciences. Delving into the electrical control of cell and tissue growth, the Levin Fab lab is finding confirmation that DNA does not determine the shape of an organism. It's shaped in accordance with a bioelectric code. The discovery came through experiments with regeneration in organisms, small freshwater animals called hydra, and the planarium flatworm have long served as model organisms for their highly regenerative capabilities. Once wounded, their cells become activated and start to remodel tissues and organs back to pre-existing states. Salamanders and newts, of course, are capable of regenerating limbs, tails, jaws, eyes, and a variety of internal structures. And some animals are able to reproduce asexually through fragmentation, budding, or fission. The team worked with planarium flatworms as they can regenerate their heads as well as their tails. In fact, a planarium can be cut into 200 pieces and each will grow a new, perfectly healthy whole animal over the course of a few weeks. Through the electrical interference, the team were able to manipulate the growth of heads and tails on planariums, causing some of them to grow two heads. Note of caution there, perhaps, for applications to the human kingdom. When his team interfered with the bioelectric signalling in tadpoles that had been engineered to develop cancer, the team were able to reduce the incidence of tumour formation. Clearly, this has major implications for the rehabilitation of cancer cells in humans, which would be a very impressive feat. But more than this, other research suggests the possibility of soon being able to regenerate limbs or organs. In 2013, Levin's team experimented with froglets using a chemical cocktail to induce the flow of sodium ions and thereby increased the bioelectrical communication between cells. While the animals were past the age at which they could normally regenerate full limbs, that's exactly what they did after the treatment. So it's become clear to Levin that bioelectricity controls pattern information in the growth of organisms. And the race is now on to crack the bioelectric code and understand evolutionary change and to revolutionise tissue engineering and regenerative medicine. Levin says, once we know how anatomy is encoded, we will know precisely how we have to rewrite the default electric patterns so as to make the anatomy we want we will be able to make shapes on demand. Recalling the fact that the Deva Kingdom is electrical in nature and that plans are underway for cooperation between the human and Deva Kingdom, we can expect some very interesting developments in this research. The electrical substance of the fourth etheric level of the physical plane will come more and more under the influence of scientists in cooperation with the devas. The fourth ether is where the majority of the etheric bodies of human beings are made, and from where the dense physical bodies are created. It's largely the principal sphere of influence of those of the violet devas which are closely concerned with the physical evolution of man and it is the etheric sphere within which, at a little later date, the Tibetan said, the human and the deva evolutions will touch. In anthroposophical teachings, the fourth ether is called the warmth ether. 
and it's the warming electrical fluid of the devas of this plane that cause things to expand and to grow, shaping organisms in conformity with their blueprint on archetypal levels. As biologists discover how to use electrical energy to cooperate in this process, they'll be entering the realm wherein the occultist works. This is an interesting echo of one of the rules for initiation, which runs, The army of the voice, the devas in their serried ranks, work ceaselessly. Let the disciple apply himself to the consideration of their methods. Let him learn the rules whereby that army works within the veils of Maya. And on this rule, the Tibetan comments, this rule refers to the work of occult investigation. Though it is not safe for the uninitiated to tamper with the parallel evolution of the devas, yet it is necessary and safe to investigate the procedure pursued by the builders, the methods followed by them in reproducing from the archetype via the etheric that which we call physical manifestation. This includes the organised study by all applicants of the laws of vibration and of electricity and many other subsidiary studies which concern themselves with the manifestation of divinity and consciousness through the medium of deva substance and the activity of the controlling devas. The laws of the macrocosm will be investigated and the correspondence between the activities of the microcosm and the active manifestation of the macrocosm will be recognised. As far as the macrocosm is concerned, this takes us back to the buddhic realm, the plane of violet, and how the initiate has to learn to manipulate buddhic electricity. It's characterised by a higher correspondence of the warmth of the fourth physical ether, being the lowest cosmic ether. And it's on the buddhic plane that a seed idea is appropriated in the contemplation stage of meditation. And just as the electrical warmth of deva activity causes the seed of nature to grow upwards to become a plant or tree, so does the buddhic warmth of the white magician cause an idea to grow downwards, to flower forth on the physical plane in service. It is the buddhic level that is the true goal for the advanced disciple and the coordination of the buddhic vehicle, which has to be in an embryonic condition when the first initiation is taken. The buddhic vehicle of the average human being is rudimentary only, but as the disciple builds the antakarana towards the spiritual triad, this vesture slowly starts to take shape. In general, the human race is moving from an astral polarisation to a mental polarisation and is applying the mind to, in order to control the emotions. The higher the moral and intellectual development of a person, the more the astral body will have been transformed by the I into what is called manas. The challenge before the disciple is to control the etheric body through the application of buddhic energy. Before the stage of discipleship, the individual's temperament and form bear little resemblance to that soul's previous incarnation. With the chela, though, the same habits and temperament remain because he has worked consciously on the etheric body, the bearer of the forces of growth and reproduction. Steiner wrote, the highest achievement open to man on this earth is to work right down into the physical body, learning to control the breath and the circulation, 
to follow consciously the activity of the nerves and to regulate the processes of thought. But this is the achievement of the adept who has developed atma and through it can create a maya varupa, a form on the lower physical and astral mental levels. And the Tibetan described this as a vehicle of expression which is built of atomic physical and astral substance and of concrete mental substance. And this they can create at will, use at will, and cause to vanish at will. But it is Buddhai that concerns the disciple, the Christ principle. As Steiner put it, when Buddhi is developed in man, all desire is transformed into selflessness, into spiritual warmth or love. Those animals which develop no warmth, the reptiles, etc., are also without passion. At higher levels, man must again achieve this passionless condition because he has his life on the buddhic plane. Man's activity is to be sought in what streams out from him as in a warmth. And the corresponding organ which we must have in order to be able to produce warmth consciously is the pituitary gland in the head, which at the present time is only at the beginning of its development. Just as one perceives with the ear and produces with the larynx, so one takes up the warmth of the world in the heart and lets it stream forth again through the pituitary gland in the brain. Once this capacity has been achieved, the heart will have become the organ it's intended to be. Then our heart's blood streams out as today our words stream out into the world. In the future, warmth of soul will flood over mankind. Steiner's comments are corroborated by the Tibetan statement that there is a close connection between the heart centre and the pituitary body and that as the heart centre becomes fully active, the pituitary body then enters into activity. By means of the pituitary body, the form-building energy becomes available and under the law of attraction, the server can mould and build in deva substance. So all this creative work might be termed electroshaping, the science of deva activity. It involves using the inherent electrical energy of the human being to shape deva substance in line with the plan. Ideas evoked from the buddhic plane are expanded into thought forms of lighted service to be transmitted into the world on the spiritual warmth of the heart. And while this may be the advanced work of the white magician, it is something that all who are undergoing training in meditation are steadily working towards. It's also a process that takes place automatically to a lesser degree when anyone meditates selflessly in service of the plan and when many minds and hearts come together as one to perform such service the results are profound. So drawing upon the creative imagination let's work now as one in service to the plan of love and light in line with that Aquarian ideal. Water of life am I poured forth for thirsty men.
letting in the light. Group fusion. We affirm the fact of group fusion and integration within the heart center of the new group of world servers mediating between hierarchy and humanity. I'm one with my group brothers and all that I have is theirs. May the love which is in my soul pour forth to them. May the strength which is in me lift and aid them. May the thoughts which my soul creates reach and encourage them. alignment. We project a line of lighted energy towards the spiritual hierarchy of the planet, the planetary heart, the ashram of Sadat Kumara, and towards the Christ at the heart of hierarchy. Extend the line of light towards Shambhala, the center where the will of God is known.
higher interlude. Hold the contemplative mind open to the extraplanetary energies streaming into Shambhala and radiated through hierarchy. Using the creative imagination, see the three planetary centers, Shambhala, Hierarchy, Humanity, gradually coming into alignment and interplay.
meditation. Reflect on the seed thought. Water of life am I, poured forth for thirsty men. Water of life am I, poured forth for thirsty men.
precipitation. Visualize light, love and the will to good pouring through the planet and becoming anchored in prepared physical plane centers through which the plan can manifest. Visualize the sixfold progression of divine love precipitating from Shambhala through hierarchy, the Christ, the new group of world servers, people of goodwill everywhere, and physical centers of distribution. Lower interlude. Refocus consciousness as a group within the periphery of the great ashram. In the center of all love, I stand. From that center, I, the soul, will outward move. From that center, I, the one who serves, will work. May the love of the divine self be shed abroad in my heart, through my group and throughout the world. Visualize 
visualize the downpouring inflow released from Shambhala through hierarchy, streaming into humanity through the prepared channel. Consider how these energies are establishing the pathway of light for the coming world teacher, the Christ. distribution. As the great invocation is sounded, visualize the outpouring of light, love and power from the spiritual hierarchy through the five planetary inlets, London, Darjeeling, New York, Geneva, Tokyo, irradiating the consciousness of the whole human race. From the point of light within the mind of God, let light stream forth into the minds of men. Let light descend on earth. From the point of love within the heart of God, let love stream forth into the hearts of men. May Christ return to earth. From the centre where the will of God is known, let purpose guide 
the little wills of men, the purpose which the masters know and serve. From the centre, which we call the race of men, let the plan of love and light work out, and may it seal the door where evil dwells. Let light and love and power restore the plan on earth. Next full moon is Pisces, which is Sunday the 12th of March, here at 3 o'clock. Before that we have the new moon meeting on Monday 27th of February at 5.30. Does anybody here like to talk to any one of us at the Trust about the work, or perhaps is new here tonight, will be around for a while, so you're welcome to do so. Other than that, those of you who have attended in their Maya Virupas, permission is now granted to dematerialise and vanish at your convenience. For the rest of us, the exit is on the left, and the cold dark awaits. Such is the way of man. Good night.
Thank you for your participation in this group service. Please join us again next month. To receive announcements for our meetings, please email us at newyork@lucistrust.org. If your AC is blowing hot air, let O'Reilly Auto Parts help bring back the cool this summer. While you may need to eventually service your AC unit, get immediate relief with Interdynamics Arctic Freeze R134A refrigerant with leak sealer for $32.99. O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Limit supply. See store for details. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.